We're continuing our efforts to try to make sure that you're given the opportunity to become a citizen scientist and help out with forecasting right here in the state of Wisconsin, courtesy of our friends with the National Weather Service. And what you may not realize is there is a network of professionals across the state that have a lot of technical tools available to try to put those forecasts together. But uh, if you have ever complained about inaccuracy or how things change, well, you need to understand more and more what's going on behind the scenes and how complicated that forecasting is. Scott Birchback is along with us. He is a lead forecaster with the National Weather Service. He's up in their Green Bay office. So tell us a little bit, Scott, about what you do as a lead forecaster. Hi, thanks, Pam. Yeah, as a lead forecaster up in the Green Bay area, uh, I'm the one that basically sends out those alerts that uh, go on your phone, on your TV, on your radio, um, whether they be tornado warnings, severe thunderstorm warnings during the summer, and the winter storm warnings uh, during the wintertime, and maybe even a blizzard warning if it gets to that point. Um, I also coordinate quite a bit with our emergency managers across the area, uh, as well as other state and local partners, uh, as we plan and brief before bigger events so we can help the public uh, weather the storm. And also we do marine forecasting. We do fire weather forecasting in this area. Uh, we forecast for the rivers and predict if they're going to flood and when they're going to flood. Uh, as well as we issue a, uh, we let a weather balloon go uh, twice a day, and that helps us with the um, forecast. We, that, that data goes into the models, and we use that pretty much to forecast the weather uh, each and every day. Now, how many people are in that Green Bay office, Scott? Because like we said, I'm not sure people understand the network of professionals that are scattered across the state. Can you explain that a little bit more for us, where all of your folks are and how you all interact? Sure, yeah. There's about uh, 21 of us here in the forecast office in Green Bay, and it's actually one of the smallest offices or the smallest office across the Weather Service. Um, about 18, 17 or 18 of those are actual meteorologists that will be working on the forecast and issuing the warnings, and then we have some support staff to help you know, with the computers and make sure everything works, including the radar and our, our uh, weather radio towers that are located across the state. Um, and there's five offices that uh, cover all of the state. Uh, there's one in Duluth, one in Minneapolis, uh, La Crosse, Milwaukee, and then here in Green Bay. So and we all work together to collaborate. That's one of the important things that we do do each day um, as we are making the forecast. We, don't, we do focus on each of our areas, but we also talk to each other to make sure the forecast makes sense as the storm is moving from whatever, whatever direction it's moving in from. So there's not, you know, hard gaps in between uh, our forecast. Right. Yeah. And you've got a lot of technical information that's available to you. And like we said, people have to realize that there's a lot of different elements in day-to-day life that you touch on. Help them understand why that communication with maybe the Towns and Counties Association, uh, emergency preparedness, help them understand why that becomes a really critical communication lifeline when things start happening. Right, yeah, we have lots of models to look at. Um, you know, meteorology is driven by computer models, of course, and we provide the, the input into that. Um, you know, people's reports from the ground, including the uh, COCO-RAS network, that's one of the inputs that we, uh, we put into our computer models as well as the weather balloon. But after we look at all the data, we see what you know, the forecast is going to be, we make a forecast, and that's when we start communicating that forecast to everybody, including the public, including emergency managers, including people at the state and local level. And basically, we want to prepare everybody for the storm that's, that's expected, whether it be a winter storm. We want to make sure people are aware of you know, when the storm is going to hit, how much snow is going to fall, how windy it will get. Are there going to be power outages? Um, in the summertime, we, people pre-plan and pre-stage 
Um, but the power companies will pre-stage folks um, to start responding to power outages right away rather than waiting until after the storm hits. So all that's kind of in the, the web of our planning that we, uh, that we do uh, both before, during, and after storm strike. Interesting. Fascinating. Again, Scott Birschback along with us, lead forecaster for the National Weather Service up in Green Bay. Now, we have been very much encouraging people to become citizen scientists and uh, do something very simple that can be very, very valuable. Become a rainfall reporter. Help them understand, Scott, how something as simple as a rainfall report from a remote area can really influence uh, your forecasts. Yeah, it's very important, uh, especially in far northeast Wisconsin, where you know the population density isn't uh, quite as as expansive or widespread as elsewhere in the state. Um, getting reports from those areas, especially as we know, weather is local. You know, someone uh, a mile away from you could have quite a bit of difference, whether that be snowfall or rainfall. Um, and getting those reports really helps us out, um, both during the event and after the event where during the event, getting that report lets us know exactly how much rain fell. You know, that real-time report gives us that information, and it makes us uh, get, use or have better decisions, basically, of whether we're going to issue a flood warning, whether we're going to issue a flash flood warning, uh, and where that's going to be. So getting, getting the more reports, the better, especially as you work your way north um, of the Fox Valley towards, you know, up in Forest, Florence, uh, Marinette, Oneida counties there. Um, we need more observers to kind of fill in the gaps of, of where our network is. The, you know, most of our sensors are at airports, so if you don't have an airport near you, um, there's pretty like, good likelihood we don't have an observer near you. So um, we're looking for more observers to fill in those gaps and to paint a better picture. It's kind of like a puzzle where the more pieces you have, everything kind of fits into place and it becomes clearer. And with uh, less puzzle pieces, it's sometimes fuzzy and you don't exactly know what's going on for sure. Absolutely. Again, and we remind you, if you'd like to kind of get involved as a citizen scientist, it is so easy to do. National Weather Service makes it really easy for you. Just go to wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Spell that all out, wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Because as you pointed out, uh, Scott, despite the fact that you've got access to a lot of technology, uh, that ground truth or or the verification where people actually live, that you can't replicate with technology. That's correct. Yep, we have a very powerful radar and satellites, you know, billion-dollar satellites that are up in the sky that are looking down, keeping an eye on the weather. However, again, weather is very local where um, the radar beam, as it leaves the Green Bay area, goes higher and higher as it uh, works its way away from the office. So say by the time it gets to the, the Wasar area, the Rylander area, that radar beam is actually 10,000 feet in the in the sky, so it's kind of hard for us. You have to basically infer what's going in below that, um, and not having that ground truth uh, really, you know, puts us kind of behind the eight ball sometimes of, you know, how much rain actually fell out. Because the radar can estimate things, it can try to help us out. However, that ground truth is very important uh, with how we how we work here. Well, and you mentioned earlier that uh, this helps people that are say in the. Uh, power industry or our towns and county folks get staged up, but also for agriculture, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that can hinge. Uh, we might be leaning towards a drought. We might be soggy. And the quicker you're getting those kinds of rainfall reports, or shall we say lack there of rainfall reports, that gives you kind of a heads up on that situation. Yep, it's very heavy. We use it heavily in our agriculture, our flood outlooks, our drought outlooks. Um, and it's a good point that 
a, a zero rain report is also just as important as a you know a heavy rain report. We want to know where it didn't rain versus where it did rain. And again, that goes into all of our products. Um, and yeah, you listed off some of the people that use uh, use this data, and it's a pretty long list, including like you said, both here at the National Weather Service, the emergency managers, um, city utilities, um, USDA. Mosquito mm-hmm. control, ranchers, farmers, <laughs> and pretty much everybody. As you know, weather impacts everybody. So <laughs> the, the more data we use, the, that data we can send out, and people can use it for what they need to use it for. Weather most definitely impacts everybody. And now you have a chance to help influence that forecast at least and make sure there's a clear line of communication between what's really happening in rural areas of Wisconsin and those forecasters like Scott Birschback who is uh, one of the lead forecasters at the National Weather Service location in Green Bay. Again, we are asking you, please get involved and do it before the end of March. You can find out all the details on becoming a citizen scientist and an official rainfall reporter with the National Weather Service at wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. Spell it all out, wisconsinweatherwatchers.org. That's Scott Birschback, again, lead forecaster with the National Weather Service office in Green Bay.